0: Rob, good morning, it's uh, really great to be with you and have an opportunity to discuss the article that Dick Sikolsky and I wrote for the Washington Post uh, on August 13th entitled, An Alliance of Democracies." Sounds Good, But It Won't Solve the World's Problems. And first of all, I could say, there's nobody better to do this than you. I mean, your first job at the NSC, if I'm not mistaken, was the democracy brief. And now that you're running the International Crisis Group, you have a broad range of expertise and authority, both on democracies and authoritarian power. So it's always a pleasure. You're a dear friend and colleague to be with you. Um, you know, rarely do Democrats and Republicans agree on anything. And uh, yet, this alliance of democracy ideas seems to be of interest to both. To both. Pompeo referred to it in a July speech. Uh, Biden has made it a consistent part of his foreign policy and laid out a a more of a general concept in in a foreign affairs article early this year. Um, And anyway, who could argue with uh, a bunch of democracies getting together? Uh, After all, even with all their flaws, democratic polities are a better guarantee of individual human rights, individual rights, peace, prosperity, and stability, right? it's it, in in our judgment, I guess. And Biden has made this a priority. He's called for it in his first year, uh, global democracy summit. Uh, it looks good on paper. And the real question is, as a practical matter, how do how will it, how will it actually work? Particularly for a president who's going to be charged with the most galactic national recovery uh, here at home uh, since any president um, since um, since FDR we argue in the piece that a large club democracy might actually be counterproductive because it creates a kind of fault line between the United States and other rival countries who wouldn't qualify for membership, but whose cooperation is gonna be necessary to solve some of the world's uh, most difficult problems. Nor do democracies, even though they are democracies, always agree on everything. I'm also not sure how large Biden intends this organization to be, but the larger it is, you're going to end up with an unwieldy multilateral organization, uh, which is not an efficient way to do business. It opens the door to spoilers, an inability to agree, uh, get distracted by tangential topics, and an inability to produce meaningful content. And we've tried it before the community of democracies uh, still exists. What it does and, and how I'd evaluate it, I, 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 I don't know. And then finally, um, you know, the notion of th- that democratic polities are gonna control the world doesn't make allowances for the fact that you really are gonna need the cooperation of a lot of non-democratic countries if you're gonna solve the world's world problems. So basically
1: laid out, that's, that's our view. Yeah, Well, Aaron, thanks Thanks for having me. Thanks for, for inviting me to this conversation. Because I'd say, first of all, let's try to understand why the Biden campaign is putting this idea forward the way they are. And it's a reaction to, to President Trump, his cozying up to uh, dictators and autocrats and strong men. It's a reaction to the rise of populism and illiberalism around the world. It's a reaction to the rise of China and the notion that well, maybe let's bring together countries that could together confront China better than anyone can do individually. And it's also a reaction to the appeal of having a big idea. I mean, any campaign wants to have big ideas. The problem is that it leaves unanswered two questions. The first you just mentioned is uh, what does it actually look like? And it's come in different versions. A broad coalition of democracies for all the reasons you give. I don't see how that works. I was there before. I, we, we we tried it back in the 90s. And what do you do with countries like, like India? What do you do with, 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 with countries that have a history of a democracy but are today... Um, Voting and more than they are uh, respecting it and and second of all, even if you could agree on you know what who who the membership will be, how big it will be, is it a small group, is it a big group um, can it really work what what can it actually do and i think so I think the impulse is one that we could understand. But it just—it's—it's it's, uh, the the pull, the tug of trying to come up with a big idea that's going to respond to the real challenges, explains uh, why the the campaign has put it forward. I think there's going to be a big gap between the idea and and its actual uh, realization.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think those are a- excellent points, and I'd agree. It, it, what troubles me though is I, I hope, maybe I'm wrong, that this isn't emblematic of the fact that the m- new administration, should Biden become president, isn't going to pursue a kind of restorationist foreign policy, in which it argues that America's back. Biden says America has to be at the head of the table. And I'm just wondering, you know, a unipolar world has gone the way of the dodo. We're simply going to have to understand that a lot of other countries, a lot of other interests that don't share our common, common values with whom we're going to fig- have to figure out a way to work.
1: Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, just to conclude on that, I think this the a Biden presidency, were it to come to pass, is going to be subjected to the, the counter-competing pulls, on the one hand, restoration, going back to normal, because people are craving for normalcy and because Trump was such an abnormal president, but also adjusting to the kind of world that produced Trump and that produced Bolsonaro and that produced autocrats and liberals around the world. And it's that, in between that space, between restoring normalcy and adapting to a new world that the, the challenge of the Biden administration were to pass is going Excellent to emerge. Excellent point.